Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Eurotrip, the world's favorite Eurovision podcast with, of course, me, Rob. And as ever, hello, Mr. James Rowe. Hello, Mr. Rob Lilly. How are you? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Yes, all good, thanks. Did you have a good Easter? I did. I had a lovely Easter. Little Birdie told me you had quite the beige buffet to celebrate this year. Yeah, forget a lamb roast on an Easter Sunday. Instead, you want to go for the Easter Monday beige platter. That's what I went oh, for. What was on there? Talk us through it. Uh, we're talking corned beef pies, we're talking pizzas, we're talking homemade sausage rolls. Oh, the lot. Honestly. Homemade? You didn't mention that earlier to me. Homemade sausage rolls. Do you know our very favourite listener, Grandma Alice? We're aware of Grandma Alice. She's been making some vegetarian sausage rolls. Were they Were they the business? They were top notch, I tell you. They sound delightful. Anyway, I had an idea to start this week's episode with... Easter-related Eurovision songs. I was like, how many can we come up with between us? And I feel like we've fallen at the first hurdle because, honestly, I've got nothing. (laughs) I can't find anything either. I just thought, well, if I type in the words Eurovision and egg into YouTube, something will come up. But no, the top suggestion is Monoskin from last year. And I honestly can't see the relevance. (laughs) Well, I did a similar thing. And it's led me to this article from yesterday, in fact. From everybody's favourite Croatian news website, Croatia Week. So naturally, <laughs> naturally, I thought, oh, what's Mia Dimsic been up to? Which is often my thought. I was going to say around this time of, of year, around this time of the week, pretty much around this time every day. <laughs> anyway, Mia Dimsic does not feature, unfortunately. So I still have no idea why this article popped up in that Eurovision Easter search. Anyway, I'm going to bring this story to you because I enjoy it. Uh, A large Croatian Easter egg has been set up in the Argentinian city of Mendoza. Would you like to hear more? (laughs) I'm not sure I would, to be honest, but I think you're going to anyway. Yeah, so local artists have placed large Easter eggs at 2.5 metres high and 1.6 metres wide in the centre of the Argentinian city of Mendoza for Easter. But why is the question? Like, why that city? Ah, it turns out that apparently in Mendoza... There is a large Croat community. Who knew? But we're still none the wiser as to what that has to do with the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, Mia Dimsic, nowhere near those giant Easter eggs, unfortunately. Well, thankfully, this week's episode will have a little bit more to do with Eurovision than that Croatian community in Argentina. So let's get on with this week's episode of the Eurotrip. As Jonola Sandra always said, take it away. Hi! Hi. 
we are Tade Otakamakan, and you're listening to Eurotrip. I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love the festival, and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself live on Russian state television for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference, and I was on Making Your Mind Up. Everyone was like, Eldar, come, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estadal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favorite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week, the return of Lowry Ullinen from the Rasmus. Yeah, if you're a first-time listener to the podcast, you may recognise the name The Rasmus. Of course, they sang the song In the Shadows a good 20 years or so. But now they are back. They took part in the Finnish selection for Eurovision a couple of months ago, and they won the right to represent Finland. And we're so pleased to welcome Lowry, the lead singer, back to the podcast. We chat about everything, what that Finnish selection show was like, what their life has been like since they got put into the world of Eurovision, And also, I don't know if you heard recently, but the head of show at Eurovision this year said their staging was very ambitious, so we'll chat about that too. But here's Lowry talking about what he loves the most about Eurovision fans. People are pretty strict, like me too, especially when I was younger. I was like, I can only listen to Metallica for now. But somehow it felt like people are just digging the vibes. It doesn't really matter what song, what style it is. And that's that's great about it. And uh, I think that's like uh, something that the Eurovision fans do do right. Cannot wait to see the Rasmus open semi-final two in not very long. So not long to wait. And not long to wait until we get to see that ambitious staging, of course, in rehearsals in Turin. But we've got loads more to cram into today's episode as well, of course, because over the weekend, over the Easter weekend, we saw the final big pre-party of pre-party season over in Madrid. So I'll be getting the lowdown on that from EurovisionSpain.com's Milena Gonzalez. And of course, our trek to Turin continues. So you're listening on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. Thanks for joining us here on a brand new episode of the Eurotrip. As we just told you, it's jam-packed today, including the return of Lowry from the Rasmus. I need the full name, please. Lowry Ullinen. Lowry Ullinen, which must be a candidate for the best ever surname at the Eurovision Song Contest, do you think? Oh, I would say so. Up there with Mr. Mamantovas. Oh, you've not mentioned the one that is the obvious outlier here, that I think is the best Eurovision surname of all time. Come on, then. The host of Eurovision 2007. Come on. I know you like to say it. Mirko Lepi Lampi. <laughs> Come I, on. Know, I don't even know whether that is the correct pronunciation or anything, to be perfectly honest with you. You could be lying through your teeth. I don't think I am. I think it's Lepi Lampi. And it, it's Finnish as well. Maybe the Finnish have a, have a theme going on here. Fantastic surnames. It just means that we need the Rasmus to win Eurovision 2022 so that we can go to Finland for Eurovision next year. And there'll be a plethora of surnames. The exec producer will have a great surname from YLE. We'll have all sorts of brilliant Finnish <laughs> names on the podcast, if that's the case. Well, from Finnish surnames uh, to British ones, because we had a Smithurst <laughs> on the podcast last week. I don't know. Uh, what does that do for you, Bob? What does that surname do? For you? It, it does good things. When he says he's willing to come back on the podcast, it does great things. <laughs> let me tell you. I've never come across a Smithurst before. Have you? No. I think it, maybe he's the one and only. I don't know. We'll have to ask. I, mean, I don't him. think he's the only, is he? Because he's he's come from somewhere. <laughs> but I, I tell you what, he was on the podcast last week. Of course, we're talking about Lee Smithurst, the BBC series producer of the Eurovision Song Contest. And what a response we've had from you guys listening to Rob's chat with Lee last week. Uh, just some of the comments we had from him. Of course, he was joining us to chat about the BBC's approach this year and having Sam Ryder, of course, represent the UK with his song Spaceman. Uh, Will on Twitter, we are at Eurotrip Podcast, of course. Uh, Will got in touch to say, if, like me, you're interested to know the behind-the-scenes details of the approach undertaken by the BBC, 
uh, for the UK this year, then this edition of the Eurotrip podcast is simply unmissable. Uh, Ryan as well, another fantastic episode. Well done, lads. Absolutely smashed it. And Sophie as well, thanks for getting in touch. The Eurotrip lads have done it again. What great insight from Lee on the behind the scenes. And that is just a few of the comments. I'm going to read out some more now because we got so many. So thank you so much for such a positive reaction to that interview. Uh, we got one here from at Chatterbox2018. His, uh, that's his Twitter handle. Uh, he said, listening now, only just discovered the podcast. Chatterbox, where have you been? Only just discovered the podcast, loving it so far. So thank you very, very much to, to them for listening. Thank you to Adrian. He said, this was a really good listen. The Lee Smithers interview was interesting and clear that at least some people know what needs to be done if they can be allowed to do it, brackets, and the time it will take. Yeah, that is true. This is a, a slow change, hopefully, but it'll be a good one. Uh, and at UK underscore Eurovision, great to hear the thoughts of Lee Smithhurst. Seems the UK is heading in the right direction. And while we're talking about Sam Ryder, we will hear some very positive things about Sam from Milena from EurovisionSpain.com very shortly on this podcast when she tells me all about the pre-party over there this weekend. So if you've got any thoughts or questions or anything you want to say, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. We are online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. And you can read any of our exclusive stories that come from all of our interviews on EurotripPodcast.com. This means it is time for the very latest news from the world of Eurovision. But given that we have only just had the final crew party of the season in Madrid, James, there can't be very much happening. Like, this is peak weird season because rehearsals are really close but not here quite yet. And now pre-party season has come to a close. Well, I don't know why you're asking me about this because this is your turn this week to tell us about the news. So is this some sort of get-out-of-jail-free card you're waving around? You what? It's me? Yeah. Ah. Uh, ah, uh... uh, really? Did you think it was me? I thought it was you. This Normally week. we talk about this beforehand, but I was so confident you <laughs> thought it was you. I just didn't say anything. Oh, no. Right, and it's fine. I can do something. Because okay. what we, what's going to happen here is I'm going to give you some stories which I think have happened. And these are kind of off the top of my head. Like, if you give me if you give me two seconds, yep. I'll, get, I'll, I'll get these links up and then I'll go with it. And if you're lucky, as an apology, I'll give you a little Easter surprise as well. Oh, yes, please. Yeah. Clunk, right. click, everybody. Strap in. <laughs> Let's see what we're going to get. We haven't clunk, clicked for a while. <laughs> right. So in real life, this will take about five minutes. But in the podcast, next time you hear us after this click, I'll have all the stories ready for you. There you go. I'm ready. Look at you with your little face. You're like, what's this man doing? I'm so confused. <laughs> do, you, do you want some news? There's not much. Yes, please. Well, the big news, of course, over the last few days, it, I say of course, I didn't know that until a few seconds ago, that Australia have got a new head of delegation for Eurovision. Their head of entertainment and food, Emily Griggs, is their new head of delegation. I hope that means they're going to turn like, Australia Decides into some sort of MasterChef crossover. That would be incredible. <laughs> Emily actually joined the Australian broadcaster from the BBC. She only joined in August last year. Uh, she will take over as head of delegation for Australia from Josh Martin. Uh, Josh was, of course, the man that previously commissioned the launch of the televised selection Australia decides for Eurovision and Paul Clark remains in the role of creative director for Australia at the contest we're staying with Australia a lot of Eurovision news coming from Australia at the moment Sheldon Riley staging will be choreographed by Sasha Jean-Baptiste I mean at this point who isn't the Euro trip in Turin at this stage likely to be choreographed and staged by Sasha Jean-Baptiste hopefully <laughs> she can fit us in and honestly, James, that's pretty much it. We'll get to the pre-party in Madrid in a second, but would you like your Easter treat now? Yes, please. So what's happened here is I've clicked on a link that was related to the Croatian egg story that I brought you earlier at the start of the podcast. Oh, no. Yeah? Yeah, I remember. Do you want it? Well, I don't know how this is going to be a treat, but go on. It's Easter egg related again. Yeah. I'm just going to give you the headline and then you can let me know whether you want to hear more. 
woman owns world's oldest unopened Easter egg, paying £80 a month to keep it cool. <laughs> surely that is the story in itself. There isn't much of a story to that, surely. There's a lot of scrolling that I can do to bring you the full the full story. I'll just bring you the very start. Uh, when she was 13 years old, Aubrey Dorman was bought an Easter egg by her father. The chocolate egg was decorated with yellow icing in the shape of daffodils. She thought at the time it was too pretty to eat, so controversially decided not to eat the sweet treat and instead left it unopened for 62 years. Oh, 62 now, years? Yeah, 62 years! Sorry, did we not say 62 years? No, blame years? Yes. That would, that, You should have told us that at the start and everyone wouldn't have turned off by now. 62 <laughs> years! Uh, yeah, so she now spends £80 a month on a cool storage container to keep the chocolate from melting. And I'll be honest, it's not worth it because there's a picture on this article and it looks a little bit like someone has punched uh, apple tart in the face. (laughs) Oh, blame me. I don't know how we move on from this because you've been chatting to some people about Eurovision. I've been chatting to some people about Eurovision and here we are talking about Argentinian eggs, was it? I can't remember now. No, this egg is specifically not Argentinian. I think this is a British egg, potentially. (laughs) Well, from... Here we go. Right, stick with us, everybody. From ageing Easter eggs in the United Kingdom to the very new class of Eurovision 2022 and their final pre-party of the season. What, What does that mean? I mean, they're very new. Of course, they're quite yeah. new. We came in March, didn't we? <laughs> anyway, do you want to tell us who you've been talking to about it? Blimey. Yes, I will do. I'm not even sure whether we'll include any of that in the episode, but if it stayed in, then I hope you enjoyed it. Milena Gonzalez joined me from EurovisionSpain.com earlier on. Now, EurovisionSpain.com, of course, huge Eurovision website over in, you guessed it, Spain. You'll never guess it from the name. They organised the pre-party over in Madrid, which took place over the Easter weekend. Loads of the class of 2022 out there to perform, including Cornelia Jacobs, because she missed the Amsterdam pre-party because she had COVID, but thankfully she has now recovered. Sam Ryder was there. Loads of the other big names who have taken part in this year's Eurovision. So I've started by asking Milena how she was feeling after what had been a very tiring but enjoyable weekend for her. I am tired, but I'm feeling amazing. Went really, really well. So I'm really happy. And I think the whole team is. How much sleep have you had over the last few days? Oh, wow. Well, Last night I had a few a few hours, but during the weekend, not that many. I don't know how many, but not many. <laughs> now let's have a chat, of course, about the Spanish Eurovision fans. Of course, you are a Spanish Eurovision fan. The pre-party, of course, this weekend in Madrid, which I know you helped organize. I'll ask you about that in a second. But the Spanish Eurovision fans must have been out in force this weekend. Oh, yes, of course. And well. I think we are one of the most passionate fans. Uh, everyone can tell, I think, through the streaming, everything. Everyone was singing every song, and it was very good. I'll ask you who some of the favourites were in a moment, but as we've already mentioned, you're from EurovisionSpain.com. It was you guys that organised the event. How difficult, challenging, enjoyable was it for you as a team to put on such a large pre-party ahead of this year's contest? Well, we are uh, like around 40 people in the team. So we're a lot of people, but we all work really, really hard. And there were times that it has been a little difficult through these two months. You, We usually uh, start preparing for this on December, more or less. But this year, it was right after Benidorm because we felt the the atmosphere that was created and we were like, we need to do this again. Uh, so two months, very quickly, very difficult sometimes, but we do this with all of our love in our hearts. So we really want this to work and it works. <laughs> and it was all worth it in the end because you had the amazing event that you did have, of course. So... Milena, who were your favourites? Because, of course, you had so many of the artists there in Madrid this weekend. So 
I mean, is it even possible to say who some of your favourites were? Oh, uh, well, I've been uh, the Rasmus fan since I was 13 years old. So I think that was very, very special for me. Uh, also, I really love Sam Ryder from the UK. Uh, um, I was in contact with the Serbian delegation to instruct that she was going to come, but finally, like 48 hours before, she said that she couldn't come, but we worked it out and they sent a video and they worked really fast to make this work. And I really appreciate that. And it was a moment. Do you really think that the class of 2022 have a kind of special connection this year? I've seen loads of people on social media say that they really are like a family this year and there is so much love, you said it there, between the artists and the delegations. So, you know, you were closer to them than a lot of other people and than a lot of the people listening to this in organising the event. Did you get that sense? Yes, totally. Uh, they are here and they like to have fun. And uh, Everyone's really nice. Other years, maybe not everyone's nice, but this year, everyone's lovely. Uh, they are here because they want to uh, share their music with the fans. And it's lovely to see and people who we haven't met through other pre-parties. Uh, I'm thinking right now about Nadir from Azerbaijan, who haven't had any, uh, he hadn't been in any shows before. He's so lovely. He's amazing. Fantastic. I mean, that's so, so lovely to hear. Now, as a Spanish Eurovision fan, I cannot not ask you about Chanel, of course. You know, you saw her win Benidorm Fest a few months ago now. We're just a couple of weeks away from the artist, you know, travelling to Turin now at this point. It must be nice as a Spanish Eurovision fan to see so much excitement about your act so close to the contest. Uh, yeah, uh, we talked this last time, but I don't think we've ever, even people who are in Euro fans uh, here in Spain, they are all in with that. And everyone knows who our representative is, when it is, um, mostly, well, the show, because it has been more or less the dance break and everything's the same. And everyone knows it. I've seen a lot of videos of people recreating it. It's really crazy because you see it with other countries um uh before this year i never thought i was going to see this in spain obviously i'm speaking to you from the uk you're there in spain do you think this might be the year that both the uk and spain aren't in the bottom five do you think this is the year that both the uk and spain could get on the left hand side yes uh well probably for most of the big five is going to be a big year, I believe so. That's the power of positive thinking. That's what we like okay. to hear. <laughs> Milena, we mentioned it there. It's a couple of weeks until the artists travel to Turin. Just a few more weeks until until we're all out there to enjoy the Eurovision Song Contest. You know, presumably this weekend has just got you so excited for what's still to come. Completely. Uh and I have tried not to ask directly to the artists what they are planning because I want to be surprised. Um, but they all seem to have very interesting plans. Yeah, we cannot wait to see them yeah. on that stage in Turin. Mm -hmm. Milena, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to you and everyone at EurovisionSpain.com for the fantastic pre-party we saw in Madrid over the weekend. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Euro trip. Thank you so much. I'll see you next year, hopefully. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Great to have Milena on the podcast again. Of course, we spoke to her a couple of months ago, uh, just before Benidorm Fest. Can't wait to see what that looks like again. But yeah, very jealous of everybody who was at the Spanish pre-party the weekend. Yet another weekend goes by of me getting FOMO, looking at my Twitter account and just seeing everybody taking the photos and the videos inside the venues. Yeah, very jealous. Yes, we did ask for your pre-party picks over on our social media over the weekend. And thank you to, uh, to all of you that sent those. We had a, a really good time having a look at those. But hopefully that FOMO will not last for much longer because 
our flights to Turin are booked for but three and a bit weeks from now. Which means it must be time for this. That's right, it's the part of the podcast where we do our trek to Turin. Each week we speak to somebody who lives in this year's Eurovision host city to get a bit of a feel about what Turin is actually like. And this week I sat down with a historian called Marta Musso, who actually now lives in the UK, but for many, many years growing up into her early 20s as well, lived in Turin. Now, Rob, you don't know this, but this is an interview that almost didn't happen. Now, yeah, this is a, this is interesting because I thought the last time I spoke to you, by the way, before we sat down to record this episode of the podcast, the, the interview with Marta, as far as I was aware, hadn't happened. Correct, it had not happened. And then about an hour after it was meant to happen, I got a text from Marta saying, James, I am so sorry. And I thought, oh, she must have been busy. She's remembered. She goes on. I am pregnant and started to have contractions this morning. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay, didn't expect it to go there. Marta continues. I went to triage, but nothing still. We just came back home. Oh, okay. Okay. I like to think that presumably the hospital said to her, Marta, you should probably be here because you're about to have a baby. And Marta said to the hospital, no, honestly, if it's not coming in the next few minutes, I do need to go home. I've got an interview scheduled with a lovely young man from the Eurotrip Eurovision podcast. And then I'll pop back. Is that what happened? Yeah, I had to dance delicately around suggesting that she was now available to chat. Uh, But she was more than welcome. And she joined the Zoom call and we had a thoroughly enjoyable time chatting about all things Turin. Is there a chance she might call the baby James? I don't know. I may have planted the seed. Who knows? Who knows? We'll find out in the next I don't think you should use the phrase planted the seed when it comes to... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Anyway, I had a lovely chat with Marta about all things Turin, but given she hasn't lived there for a few years, I started off by asking her what the biggest thing is that she misses about her home city of Turin. I mean, apart from, you know, family and friends, simply about the city. I really miss the architecture, but it's very squared. It's almost impossible to get lost. You can go by bike everywhere. Whereas the UK, at least Birmingham, it's really much more car-based, um, which is super annoying. I miss the nightlife there, but, you know, it's also that I left quite a few years ago. <laughs> sure i will enjoy that nightlife if i were still living there now <laughs> probably not but it has a very good scene what else i miss the river there's the longest italian river passing by so we have uh, a lot of you know water i mean it's super tiny especially compared to american rivers obviously but it's uh, it's it's big enough to be uh, quite a good uh, you know water place to go and think um and yeah, and I miss I miss the proximity with the mountains. Um, I only paradoxically became a mountain girl after I left Turin um, in quite recent years. But now I miss that I don't have you know a place that it's so close where to go on the weekends. Oh, Marta, there's so much I, I feel like I need to ask you about there because there's so much we've learned about the city there. And I think naturally for a lot of people who will be listening. Uh, of course, going for Eurovision, it's a late night event. They want to know about the nightlife. Is it really one of those cities where people are going to be enjoying going out to the bars and the clubs on an evening? Oh, yeah. every Pretty much every day. It's mostly for students. Like the biggest nightlife, at least when I was a student, <laughs> so quite a while ago, <laughs> uh, was, I think, what was it? It was Tuesday. Tuesday and Thursday were the big nights out. But, uh, yeah. Marta, that is going to be news to the ears of Eurovision fans listening because Tuesday and Thursday are the semi-final nights for Eurovision. So that's going to be a great party (laughs) on the Tuesday and Thursday night. That is fantastic news. So thank you for that. Um, You mentioned the mountains as well a little bit earlier on. Perhaps on those days throughout Eurovision week where people are a little bit tired, they need a bit of a break. is Is that possibly a place to go if they go outside of the city limit a little bit for a place to relax and sort of de-stress themselves from the from the hustle and bustle of Eurovision that week? Uh, yeah, I mean, in half an hour by car, maybe one hour top, you can reach very, very nice places. Of course, it mean, depends, you know, whether you want to relax or do sport. But if it's just to relax, one ha- ha- yeah, half an hour by car and you reach very nice places. 
And if you want to drive a little bit further, two hours and a half, you're by the sea. So <laughs> depending on what you want to do. Or for you, it would be ideal to take the bicycle and surely you can find some pretty relaxing places on bike as well. Uh, well, maybe not in the mountain, but <laughs> you, can, you can bike around the city, yeah, for sure. What are the people like in Turin? Are they welcoming? Will they embrace the world of the Eurovision Song Contest, do you think, when people head there in a couple of weeks' time? I think people will be super excited that there is a big event in Turin because the city is really trying to reconvert itself from being an industrial city to be a, a tourist city. And I think it has all you know, all the ingredients to be a touristic city, but it also suffers a lot from competition because two hours, you know, three hours from Turin, there's Venice, three hours from Turin, there's Rome, two hours from Turin, there's um, uh, Florence. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, it's interesting because on the one hand, Turin tends to be very, very snobbish with music. Um, but then on the other side, I think that we, we are going to enjoy the, the fact that there's such a big event. Yeah, you must be really pleased to see your home city getting some more attention. You know, like you say, Turin gets a lot of competition. Perhaps one of the biggest things Turin is known for in recent times, I guess, was the Winter Olympics uh, back in 2006. So it must be nice to, <laughs> for Turin to be getting a bit more attention now. Yeah, exactly. I think there's, a, a, you know, I, I was really into the spirit of the Winter Olympics when they happened. Um, I was students there, so I had time to go to all the events, all the things that happened. Uh, you know, I was happy with, 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 with the, um, you know, the traction that Turin was getting there as, as, as an event, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a little bit like that spirit again, but without all you know the scandals and 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 the, the, the debates that accompany the olympics because it's also much uh smaller event in a sense so even though it's even though it's very big um it's not like infrastructure changing or, or anything like that um but yeah it's 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 nice now shall we wrap up before we do though of course we've got to get a, a new italian word or a phrase from you marta something that may or may not, who knows, be useful to anybody heading out to Turin uh, very shortly for Eurovision. So which word or phrase have you got for us that might be helpful? Yeah, sure. I, I was actually thinking, do you want it in Italian or can it be in Piemontese? Because there's also the local language, which Ooh. no one speaks, but... <laughs> well, yes, like I said, it might not be I mean, useful. So why don't, you, yeah, why don't you give us something that may not be helpful from the local language? Yeah, let's have something from that. So we'll just say... Cerea, it means hello, hi. Um, it would be ciao in Italian, but it's cerea in, in, in Torinese specifically. Or my favorite is actually facet nabie, um, partly because it sounds like a bad word in English, <laughs> so I thought it funny. Um, but it just means really like um, it's, it's very Piemontese as a style. So it means, you know, just don't overdo it, keep it low profile. Um, you know, and be content with it. You could translate it like that in English. Say that one more time for so, me, and I'll and I'll say it back <laughs> to see if I can see if I can sound as good as I, you. I, I will write it for you for sure, no problem. But it's facet nabie. Facet nabie. How does that sound? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was very good actually. Awesome, awesome. Well, there's another another word, another phrase to add to our list for when we head out there in a few weeks' time. Marta, thank you so much for joining us on the Euro trip. Really great to have you along. This is the Eurotrip. So this is indeed the Eurotrip podcast. And as you heard just before there, thank you to Marta Musso for joining us, who I think it is safe to say the only person who we've spoken to on the podcast who is potentially in labour at the time of their interview. Yeah, I reckon so. She did go on to say the baby isn't actually due for about two weeks, so I never thought I would have this problem. Yeah, it's not often that, yeah, people on this podcast have to work around their availability dependent on whether or not they have to be in hospital to give birth. <laughs> but thank you to Marta for joining us and, and all the best. And Marta, if you do name your child Rob, James, or maybe Lowry Ullinen, do let us know. Yeah, we'd love to know. Who knows? But anyway, speaking of Lowry Ullinen, of course, he's the front man of the Rasmus and he has returned to the Euro trip. Now, a few months ago, when all the names and acts were announced for UMK, the Finnish selection, one of his first interviews he did about it was with us here on the Euro trip. So it was only right that we invite him back after the band won the right to represent Finland a couple of months ago. And it was great to chat with him about how the Rasmus' preparations are going 
for Turin, how their life has changed, what the pre-parties have been like, and as I mentioned at the start of the episode, the head of show for Eurovision itself this year said that the Rasmus's staging in Turin is very ambitious, so we'll be asking about that. Yeah, really excited to see it, and one person I know that is very excited to hear this interview, by the way, Milena who I spoke to from Madrid, I mean, you heard in that interview, she said how much of a Rasmus fan she is. So I know she will be all ears for what you're about to hear. And I know so many of you will be tuning in intently to find out what Lowry tells us, because I know so many of you are fans of the Finnish entry this year. So let's get to it, shall we? I started off by welcoming Lowry back to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to be back. We spoke to you, Lowry, back in January before you had actually competed in UMK. Take us back to UMK. What was that experience like for the band? It was nerve-wracking. We really were nervous. Somehow I felt inside like, we have to win this. We have to be the band representing Finland. But I got to tell you, it was a tough competition. There were a lot of uh, great artists, like hundreds and hundreds, I don't know, maybe thousands demos were were sent. to take part and then they picked seven for the national finals and all the songs were great all the artists were great and they all already were big some of them so it was really it was a nice competition and uh we really enjoyed being there but what was it like to actually be in a competition environment because i presume for you guys was this the first time you were actually involved in putting music forward basically asking people to choose a favorite song you've never been in this sort of competition environment before yeah it's it's quite a different game you know like just releasing music on your own it's like your fans will react to it and you know it's all nice and safe and being in your own bubble and then it maybe starts spreading out of that later but now it was like everywhere in finland like on that same day and everybody wants to have a comment and you know Finnish people especially they really say what they think about it and you know not all the comments were nice that's kind of part of the game um, and we haven't been much in the headlines or even played in Finland actually in many years we've been touring all over the world so we sort of made a comeback and uh, it felt great are you still enjoying the experience because I remember when we spoke to you back in January earlier on in the year you said you felt like over the last couple of years, because of COVID, you seem to be lacking these sort of challenges nowadays. Are you actually enjoying this experience now? Yeah, I love it because the clock is ticking, you know. Every day, there's one less day for the finals. You know, it's, I like the situation that, you know, it kind of puts uh, pressure on me. And uh, I've been so busy, like, the last couple of months. Like, it's not even a minute schedule. It's like a second schedule I have. So I'm like all over the place and like doing all these things, photo shoots, you know, video shoots, interviews, rehearsals. It's so good to be um, back and, you know, it's good to be alive. I mean, that that's something that I was born to do. And are you enjoying this new new kind of exposure, I guess? Because, you know, for the last 20 years or so, you and the rest of the band are used to flying all across the globe. You've got such a hardcore set of fans around the globe as well. But presumably you're getting introduced to a new kind of fandom nowadays because of the Eurovision fans. Are you enjoying this new this new kind of fandom you're getting? Oh, yeah, I got to say that the weekend we played uh, in Amsterdam, uh, there was a pre-party show and... The audience, they were all like Eurovision fans. So I could sense that vibe. It was like 2,000, uh, sorry, 6,000 people there. And they were so into it. It was amazing, like how they knew all the songs. And despite the the genre or the the song, they were like singing along and, and so like supportive, you know, because in this world, you a lot of times... Um, get this kind of negative comments and you know like people are pretty like strict that like me too especially when I was younger I was like I can only listen to Metallica for now and then you know but somehow it felt like people are just digging the vibes it doesn't really matter what song what style it is um and that's that's great about it and uh, I think that's like a something that the Eurovision 
fans do do right. Give us an insight into what some of your days look like, because you mentioned before about how it just seems to be rehearsing and flying and interviews and, and photo shoots. What time is your alarm clock going off in the morning? What time are you going to bed? And do you actually get a rest? Because from from the outside looking in, it really doesn't look like you get a rest at all. Well, last night I, I was um, we're mixing this one song and we have a guy in Nashville and Sweden and I'm here, here in Finland right now. So like finishing that mix until like 12.30 and then I went to sleep and then I woke up at 5.40 uh, just without any alarm clock. Though I was really tired. But I couldn't sleep because I was like winded up. You know, I just wanted to like listen to the mix again, and I was like, I can't stop. So I don't really, I don't really sleep, even though I have time for it. <laughs> so this this morning, I, I we had a rehearsal with the band uh, for the Eurovision show. We're gonna have a brand new show in Italy, so we have uh, almost every day rehearsals, and then I have about. 20 interviews today which is like insane <laughs> oh like 15 minutes back to back what's it going to be like for you guys heading to italy and turin it, presumably this isn't the first time you've been to italy you must have done a, a few gigs there before yeah yes we have played in italy but not in in turin uh and i love italy it's one of my favorite countries and i've said many times that i i feel i could like retire and live there somewhere in the north of Italy, you know, on a mountain or something. This is going to be a great test for you then. If you like it in Turin, maybe that's what will happen in a few years' time. You can live the dream maybe. of retirement. Yeah, I think we're going to have some time off too, because uh, it's like about two weeks we're going to spend there, which is very nice. So we can maybe have some some hours off to really explore the city. And um, then interesting thing that our bass player, Ero, he used to live for three years uh, in a village near uh, Torino. So we actually were going to go there to see his old hoods. And he knows some like uh, really nice restaurants there. Oh, very so, nice. He's going to be your official tour guide then. Yeah. <laughs> I must ask you about your staging and the look of the show that we're going to see from the Rasmus in Turin because the broadcaster, the Finnish broadcaster, has said that it's going to look very different. There's going to be some props. And also, the Eurovision head of show said that your performance is very ambitious. What does he mean by that? Yeah, well, I can't really... I don't want to tell what's what's going on on stage, but it's going to be new. There's a lot of uh, elements and <laughs> a lot of things going on, but I, I like it. Um, it's such a great chance to to create something like this. I consider it to be like a, almost like a live music video or something. Like you can plan all the camera movements and like um, it's gonna look like it was just improvised, but it's like really we put some thought in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited to see what it looks like. One last one from me before I let you go. What is your big hope for Turin? What is the ideal result for you and the Rasmus? Well, of course, we are there to win. But um, last weekend in Amsterdam, meeting a lot of these uh, fellow musicians, artists, was so much fun just hanging out with them, you know, learning about their cultures, their backgrounds, their stories, everything that you know like they're all different all all those music styles are different it's just a wonderful thing to finally be in the same place with people and you know not be afraid of some you know disease so it for at least for now it feels like um we are heading to a right direction <laughs> Well, Larry, it's so refreshing to hear your attitude towards Eurovision and it's so great to see the Rasmus taking part this year. So I know on behalf of everybody listening, we wish you the very best of luck and thank you so much again for joining us here on the Eurotrip. Thank you. It's fun. See you soon.
there he is, the man with arguably the best surname in the world of Eurovision. Definitely the best surname in the world of Eurovision 2022. Larry and back on the Eurotrip. Yeah, great to have him on again. Lovely to chat to him. And he wasn't giving much away about the staging. When I said to him, you know, what are they talking about when they say your staging is very ambitious? He wasn't giving a lot away. So I think we'll have to wait a little bit longer to find out what that's all about. But lovely to hear him speaking so openly and so nicely about the Eurovision community because the Rasmus isn't necessarily a band you would have expected to see at the contest. Absolutely not, but we are delighted to have them. Of course, the Rasmus will open semi-final two in not very long, just a couple of weeks or three or so weeks away now. But it is time for something much more immediate, which is the one second song. And it's very, very anticipated this week because, of course, it took a break on last week's episode, but it's coming back with a bang. And I've chosen a very special song for us to play with this week. Okay, well, let's have a listen then, shall we? I'm I'm guessing this week, so can I have my first play, please? Let's have it. Here's this week's one second song. What on earth is that? (laughs) Really? Yes, really. What on earth is that? (laughs) I honestly thought this might be fairly easy, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I'm not sure it is, to be honest with you. Can I please have it again? You can indeed. (laughs) I haven't got the foggiest. I'm going to guess, but I haven't got the foggiest idea. James, do you want to remind us what I'm attempting to guess? Yeah, of course. I'm looking forward to finding out what you say. But of course, you're trying to guess the the song title, the artist, the country it represented, and the year it took part in the Eurovision Song Contest. I honestly thought this one might be easy, especially for you, Rob, but clearly not. So what are you going to guess? Right, you've said especially for you, which means that you think it's a really old song, because in your head, I'm really old, despite just being a couple of years older than you. (laughs) So you've given me a little hint there. I'm going to guess like an actual Eurovision song, but I don't think it is. I think, was it Estonia's song in 2008 called Letosvet? And it was like something, somebody, I don't know, somebody sang it, the, the Estonian big, boys played song <laughs> let us set in Eurovision in 2008 there you are there's your guess well you've hit the post well you've maybe you've hit the opponent's post because you have scored <laughs> one point it, no I haven't <laughs> well yeah unsurprisingly it's with the most guessable one it was Estonia right well that is one more point than I thought I was gonna score uh for the rest of it let me fill you in that is in fact a and this will give it away this is a Eurovision winner no it's not Yes, it is. This no, was Tanil Padar, no! Dave and 2XL with everybody from 2001. I was not expecting it to be that song. Like, I'm a big fan of Dave Benton, Tanil Padar and 2XL. Like, big fan of that Eurovision winner. Well, before we play it in full or for a little bit longer, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. And sort of, I can sort of understand why you may not have guessed it, because... That song doesn't actually exist on streaming services. Oh, it was no. a bit like, um, remind me, you did one a few weeks ago. Didn't it's like you? The, uh, the, the Andy Abraham workout remix or whatever it was <laughs> that we ended up with a few yeah, weeks ago. Exactly. So it's a, it's a bit similar to that. So this week, because uh, everybody doesn't exist on streaming platforms, I had to use the, uh, the karaoke version with guide melody from <laughs> La La Lou. Let's have a listen to that. I mean, in my defence, that is basically a completely different song. (laughs) How fun is that, though, honestly? If somebody invited you to a karaoke night and they said, Rob, Rob, come on, come on, and they had to convince you to take part, surely that would be your number one request. Oh, 100%, 100%. Well, of course, as you know, and listeners, you may know, I'm getting married next year. I got engaged a couple of weeks ago. 
I'm thinking first dance song might be to that karaoke version of, <laughs> of Dave Benton and Tan Alpadar's Eurovision song. Yes, please. Yes, please. Where do we go from here? I feel like this episode has been a bit of a fever dream. We started with <laughs> massive Croatian eggs in Argentina and we finished with whatever on earth that was. But <laughs> thank you to everybody for joining us this week and thank you to everybody who joined us on the podcast. So thank you to Larry Ulanen, to Melina Gonzalez and also to Marta Musa. And good luck in any future incoming labour, Marta. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, thanks to you for joining us all the way through this episode. It's always great to have you along. And of course, a big thank you. If you're a new listener, if you joined us last week when we brought you that Lee Smithers interview, because we know so many new listeners tuned in last week. Of course, we'll be back with you again in seven days time for a brand new episode where we'll be speaking to another one, at least another one of the class of 2022. And public service announcement. We can't say much more yet, but... If you are going to Turin, keep the Wednesday evening free. We will have more information soon. But in the meantime, don't forget you can keep up to date with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. And all of our exclusive stories are available to read on EurotripPodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars from me, James. It's goodbye. He's waving, everyone. And for me, Rob, I'm waving straight back at you. It's goodbye. <laughs>